You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you and you can even bless someone else with it. We're going to be talking about foundations. About how important foundations, you know, the reason for something. How important that is. And I'm, yeah, just keep on playing like that. Just, just bear with me here. We'll probably talk about it more, but we've got to read it now. Verse 20 in chapter 17. It says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, Jesus wasn't saying this to a group of people. There were people there, but they're recording what he was saying to the Father. Do you hear this? This wasn't a teaching. He wasn't teaching the multitudes. He was right before Calvary in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was there just putting himself up before the Father. Listen to what's said. I do not pray for these alone. He had already prayed for the disciples. He prayed for himself. He had prayed for the disciples. In the middle of the prayer, in the middle of this prayer, he says this. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their words, meaning the disciples' words. That they, those people that will believe, that they will, that that they all may be one. So he's praying that we all be one. I'm not talking about going to the same church. Listen to what it says. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So he's praying that we would be one just as is Jesus and his Father God. So he's praying the same thing for us that he was experiencing. He was praying the same relationship. He didn't see God as God. He saw God as Father. What did he say at 12 years old? He said, I must be about my Father's business. See, those that see God as God feel that they have to serve God. But if you see God as Father, you'll just be about your daddy's business. You understand what I'm saying? You'll know what your father's all about and you'll just be out there doing it. You won't be an employee of the father. You'll just be about his business. You're going to carry on the family trade. Verse 21. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given to them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved 
them as you have loved me. Listen, the whole reason this is being done is so you would know that he loves you. As father, not as God, but as father. As a father loves a son. He doesn't want you to serve him as a God. He wants you to love him as a father. Hear the word. This is the heart of Jesus himself. You can take all the theology. Listen, this is what we're going to do today is take all the theology and just compared to, see, the foundation of the world. If you know the beginning, the foundation, and if you know the end result and understand that love is the motivation at the beginning and love is the reason for the end, love has to be the reason, has to be what happens on the inside. So many people are fearful of God's judgment. I know of no one that's fearful of the Father's love. Because they see God as God, they're fearful of judgment. But if you see God as the Father, you'll be receptive to His love. But the church declares God in His judgment instead of the Father in His love. And Jesus prayed that we would experience the oneness as he had experienced the oneness as his father was loving him he turned and loved us man it doesn't matter Listen, you can believe all kinds of things but unless you believe that God the father loves you you haven't experienced the father yet for God so loved the world Listen, I know what it says about salvation. I know what it says about not going to hell. And, but it, He didn't come to get us not to go to hell. That seems to be the focus of all the church is escaping hell. I was in conversation with a person this week. And I guess that's why it's on my heart so strong. I was with a com in a conversation with a person this week. And they were hearing all this information that was coming out. And to them, it was just information. You understand the difference between information and revelation? And they really couldn't take it in their head because their head was full of circumstances and other information. You realize you can only handle so much information? It gets to a point you got to, even when you're studying, sometimes you got to stop and back up and let your brain rest. Because you can only take in. you got to let go of something so you can bring in some new stuff. Quit trying to pack it in. That just creates pressure. Everybody understand pressure, Mandy? Pressure? You know pressure, girl. Listen, sometimes you got to get rid of some stuff so you can receive some more. And that's why I feel it's my responsibility in a five-fold pulpit ministry to help you get rid of some thinking so you can get some new thinking. We call that old thinking stinking thinking. But see, it's all about the love of God as Father. And this person I was talking to this week, this is what he said. He goes, I don't really care about all of this stuff. 
I'm just worried about what he was saying that he was just making sure that on the day he died he believed so he'd go to heaven And what he thought he was saying was so, to him, it's like that's what it's all about is just hanging on to a simple belief so he might go to heaven. That to some of us that may sound like, yeah, that's what we're doing. No. It's about having the loving, living Father God inside of your heart so you can be a witness, so you can be at total rest and assurance that you know that you're a child of God. And once you're a child of God, you can be a testimony and a witness to everybody around you. And you can have, if you got the king and his kingdom on the inside, you're going to have the king and the kingdom on the outside. And you're going to be a witness and a testimony. And you won't have to live in fear all of your life just trying to hang on to one simple belief that might make it. It's not about might making it, church. It's about knowing whose son you are who's your father and that you're totally equipped you're fully pleasing and complete in Christ Jesus with all the power of the resurrection available to you so you can be a testimony an example of his goodness and his love man my heart just broke for this person going oh he still doesn't understand it's not about just going to heaven someday it's about knowing and being at one with the Father today. Not in the hereafter, but the here and now. You're one with Him now. That's what Jesus was praying for. Right before He was going to be crucified, He's praying that we would know the oneness of the Father. See, the religious people, the Jews, didn't know him as Father. They knew him as God. They got upset. They got upset when Jesus referred to God as Father. It was totally out of their mindset. Totally. They're ready to stone him. <gasps> How could he call God Father? Just like you can. Man, it's a hard issue, church. Hallelujah. We may talk about this more. Go ahead, Frank. Sure. I think the Lord wanted me to share this this morning. Didn't know it until we were in here praying a while ago. You know, I'm thankful that God called me to the marketplace because that's out there where the world lives. We were talking this morning about common sense. And uh, you know, out in the world, everything's common. We think with common sense. But God has called us to be a part of his kingdom. So we need to start thinking in kingdom sense and forget the common sense. The law is common sense. But the word of God and his promises 
That's kingdom sense. And I know uh, this has been a revelation to Gay and I for quite some time, and, and I know that uh, it's caused us to even pray differently. Yes. And I think God wants me to share this primarily because of Carolyn, Mandy, Tammy, Ed. I mean, there's several of you that we remember every morning at 7.30 in our prayers. The first time that we prayed, we asked God to bring healing. But we don't ask that anymore. We thank God for your, that you're healed. We thank God that you're healed. We thank God that you're healed because that's kingdom sense. The Word of God says that you're not sick and that you walk in sickness. The Word of God says that we walk in health and that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. So we need to start changing the way we think from common sense, worldly sense, and start thinking based upon kingdom sense and the Word of God. Now, I tell my kids I'm the big daddy, and God just showed me that I'm not the big daddy. <laughs> I'm the little daddy. He's the big daddy. And so we need to start thinking about God as being our big daddy. He loves us. That's right. Hallelujah. 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 That's one of the things that makes a difference in kingdom living is that and what we're going to talk about this today about Abraham and what he did and how he did what he did and the reason he did the things he did uh, but see he didn't you know the scripture says that Abraham was made righteous because he believed now he didn't believe to be righteous he believed for the promise set before him that there's a way of living. There was the word of God that was given to him. He says, I'm going for it. Now, as, 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 because he went for the fulfillment of the finished word, all these other things took place. See, before he could be the father of many nations, he had to be the father of one. And that was part of the trip. He wasn't believing for one. He was believing the word of God which said that you would be the father of many nations. So he began to act as though he saw what he wasn't. He began to respond accordingly, according to the word of God. And all these other things took place along the way. He didn't go, okay, I got to believe for this. And then I got to believe for this. I used to tell people to believe for healing and then believe for divine health. Well, I quit that a long time ago. Now I tell people to start believing for divine health. And healing will come. It's part of the trip. It's part of the journey. I quit, I quit trying to tell people to pray for your daily bread. Quit it. Stop it. I know what the Bible says. Don't be praying for your need. Be praying to be a blessing to other people's need. And when that comes to pass, look at all the people you would have blessed along the way. Your needs would have ta are taken care of. We get our focused on that right there. Just focus on the Word. Believe the Word. See, Abraham believed the Word, and because of what he, he believed the Word about his future, he was accounted as righteous. He didn't believe to be righteous. Do you understand? He was believing the word 
The word didn't say, well, if you do this, you'll be righteous. He just believed the word and it was accounted to him. So if we, who is the word? Jesus. So if you believe the word and just go for the word, That's what we're going to talk about today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Joy. Hallelujah. Well, we've already preached about half the message three times, so we're going to go ahead and do some more. Because uh, i got to keep you here. That's what religious law says. It says keep them until 12. And um, I can't be a pastor unless I keep you until 12 or close to it. You know, there's, there's certain rules and regulations to have in church. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, what we're going to talk about this morning... Um, you can go ahead and turn there in the book of Romans. We're not going to read it right away. But in Romans chapter 4, go ahead and turn there. That's such a powerful scripture that we just read earlier um, in John about Jesus' prayer for all people was that they could be one and experience the Father's love. That's a powerful prayer. Man, you need to be praying. Uh, listen, you need to be praying. This, this is not sacrilegious to say this. That needs to be your prayer. Laura, that's how you need to pray for the people you're praying for. Carolyn, each and every one of us. We need to be praying, Father. May they know the love that you have for them because of the love that I know I've got from you that they be, the people that you're praying for, be one with you as I am one with you. You can take that prayer put, and just let it be your prayer. Man, that's an awesome way to pray for people. See, you, you're already one, so you need to be praying that other people understand that they are one. See, you need to realize that we've been made one with Father God anyway. Jesus paid the price for all man's sin. We're going to talk about some of that today to help clear, uh, clarify some things. But one of the things we're going to talk about this morning, uh, I, I'm just amazed at how many people um, uh, are, are still... I'm going to go ahead and use... I'm just going to take this off of here. I'm not going to move the... I'm just going to put this right here. Remember what we do with the plants? This represents in the beginning... Uh, Calvary's over here. Let's just say Calvary's right here. And this is in the beginning. And uh, I want you to, I'm going to read a scripture for you real quick. Uh, there, and I'm, I'm just seeing so many of these scriptures all over the place. But this one's out of Psalms. Psalms chapter 11. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but we're going back to Romans real, real quick. In Psalms chapter 11, listen to what it says here in verse, in verse 2 and 3. It says, For look, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow on the string. Does everybody understand? How many bow hunters? Andy's over here. I know what he's talking about today. <laughs> he know, he's talking hunting. And a bow hunter right there now. For look, the wicked, that doesn't say you're wicked, Andy, for going deer hunting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I should read this at the lodge every, every fall just to no just kidding <laughs> for look the wicked bend their bow they make ready the arrow on their string that they may shoot secretly 
at the upright in heart. Not only the upright in heart, but they want to shoot the upright in the heart. Do you get that? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? <gasps> Look at that. What this is saying is that the attack is in our heart. The wicked one, the wicked ones, the world wants to attack us in our heart because in our heart, that I tell you, every good bow hunter, what's your target, Andy? It's in the heart. See, the, the, the target is our heart. And the, if the foundations that are in our heart are attacked, see, if the foundations can be attacked, the whole structure can be attacked. If the foundation can be destroyed, the whole structure can be destroyed. And most of us in Christian living are so focused in all the little teachings and the little doctrines along the way that we forget and maybe not even know the foundations of our beginning. Listen, if you one of the things that's always irritated the heck out of me, and I've, learned, I've got a little thing that I do, and I don't mean to be rude, but I, I guess I do mean to be rude, but, but uh, you know, we all need areas of growth in our life. But when, when I'm in conversation with somebody, and we've been talking for three or four minutes, and someone else interrupts the conversation, you ever have someone come up and, hey, what are you talking about? You ever have someone do that? Uh-oh, we've got fingers being pointed. You know what my response is? This is that loving, caring pastor that I am. You know, I look, I look at them and go, I didn't tell you? And they go, no. I said, must not be in your business. <laughs> I do, don't I? I do it all the time. I'll be talking, Joy walk, Joy walk up, because I know she forgives me already. She said, what are y'all talking about? I go, I didn't tell you? And she goes, because she's already heard it. She goes, don't do that to me. Because <laughs> it must not see, see, but see, yeah, yes, yeah, but see, but see, just to get that's a little, you know, now you, you know why we need marriage counseling. No, just kidding. But, but we need to understand that you can't enter a conversation and think you're getting the whole understanding. You understand what I'm saying? It's like listening to someone talk to somebody else on the phone and think you understand what's being said. It doesn't work all the time, does it? Because you don't know what the other person's saying. You are assuming you know what's being said. I like that commercial. It just came to my mind. The guy late at night, he's standing there. You do that for me? <laughs> it's his insurance man. His wife comes down. Because <laughs> she thinks she knows the conversation. See, that's what happens when you get in the middle of something instead of knowing the beginning and the end. And what happens is people in Christianity or in churchdom have entered. See, if you're born into a family that's in strife all the time, strife is what? Normal. It's not strife to you. You know, if you're born into a family of strife, you don't know it's strife. 
But man, your neighbors know it's strife. Why? Because you've been born into it and it is normal to you. Just because it's normal to you doesn't mean it's right. Well, this is the way it's always been. So what? It's not right. It's not kingdom principles. Well, that's the way my granddaddy was, what my daddy was, the way I'll be. That's what my kids are. That's right. And you're all going to be miserable. You're just duplicating miserable. You know, I, I, I got to be careful what I say. There's sometimes I guess, oh, I'll say it nice. I'll say it pastoral. I hope revelation comes before they reproduce. You know what I'm saying? Because some people are just reproducing stupid. Did I say that nicely? Or should I say it at all? Should I try it in another way? That's pretty, pretty close to what I was really trying to communicate anyway. I don't know if I said it right. But they're just reproducing stupid. Because they're not changing the way they think. They're passing on a way that hasn't worked. Just because they lived in it doesn't mean it's okay to stay that way. And so what happens up here on the front of the platform we have in the beginning is when, when uh, Genesis 1-1 and we have Calvary here and we've done this in, in great detail before. So when I stand here I'm standing by Calvary and this is a timeline which is part of eternity. But it's a timeline and over here on the other side of this corner of the platform over here would be after Calvary over here this is eternity future this is eternity present and this is eternity past and what the foundations are when the Bible refers to foundations it's talking about the foundations of the world alright and we know the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1 that before the foundations of the world we were chosen to be holy, blameless, and in His love. What? We were chosen to be sick, poor, and going to judgment. That wasn't the purpose. That wasn't the foundation. Ephesians chapter 3 says, according to the eternal purpose. In other words, the purpose that was before in the beginning because in the beginning was the beginning of time time has a beginning time has an end and purpose the eternal purpose is what God intended all the time for for all this time God intended that's why God made time so this purpose could be manifest that's why the scripture says that the son of God was Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of the devil it says that he was slain before the foundations of the world he was crucified here he was crucified here, yes, but He was slain here. And to understand that Jesus was able to do what He did knowing that it was already done in His Father. Abraham, the father of our faith, believed that when God said He was going to be the father of many nations, He said, okay, I'm going to be the father of many nations and just began to do what He hadn't been doing. He began to see faith. He began to see God in His wife. And God in Himself. And because the Word motivated Him to say, okay, for that to happen, I've got to see God in my wife and God in myself and the Word working. And because of that, He did what He had to do here. He didn't do what He did here to get... Because of that, He did what He did here. So, 
we need to understand just not the foundations, but we need to understand the purpose for the foundations. Does everybody understand that? If you have the foundations and don't know the end result, you can go anywhere. I love it. When you're, you're, the Bible says that when you build a house, you need to count the cost. Part of counting that cost is and what that's talking about. Yes, it's talking about how much is it going to cost or what's it going to take to build this house. But it's also saying know, know what it's going to look like. And I guarantee you there's not an architect that when they build the foundation or when they draw the foundation, they have another rendering. It's called the it's completed picture. This is the foundation to make this come to pass. And you build accordingly because of the end result. First of all, you've got to build according to the foundation, but the foundation is there because of the end result. So we need to know in the body of Christ what the foundation is and always has been and what the finished result is. Because if you just jump into Christianity, just, well... I'm going to this church over here and all they're talking about is, man, you've got to get saved every Sunday because you thought a bad thought, you've got to get saved all over again. You know, or some other doctrine like, you know, just, I mean, there's, there's so much doctrine. Just, if, you, if there's some way that you can just take all that thinking and just go back to the foundations. Well, we're going to, there, there's so many scriptures, we're going to read one in here shortly. And, and, and as I, I paint this picture, so as I read the scripture, you go, oh, oh. Because right here in the book of Romans that we're going to read, Paul says, as Adam was the first Adam, he went back to the foundations to explain what they were living in. And the book, in the second, in second Corinthians, it, it says, I, we said it earlier, where Paul said, I fear that you be deceived in your mind as Eve was deceived. See, it's called the law of first mention. If you've done any kind of Bible study at all, been any kind of structured school, one of, they teach you, one of the things they teach you on how to study the Bible is to always go according to what is known as the law of first mention. The first time something's mentioned is the way God intended it. God intended man... To marry woman. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve. That's God's plan. That's foundational. Man's going to screw it up because he forgets the foundation. See, if you go back to the foundation, you won't screw it up. That's that simple. For God so loved the world. What's the whole purpose? In Ephesians chapter 1 says we were called before this to be in His love. And over here He says for God so loved the world, He did this. To pay the price for all man's sin, all of that sin and all of this sin, so we would all know that we are one with God and just as Jesus is one with God, when God was in him and he was in God, that Jesus is in us and we're in him and we're one. We're in a loving relationship that in the, in the times to come, 
He's, the book of Ephesians says he's going to gather all these people that are in him, the scripture says. Ephesians chapter 1 says, In the fullness of time, the bridegroom is going to look back here and gather all the people in him. And that's going to be his bride. And he's going to have a marriage supper of the Lamb, and there's going to be this great ceremony, and the bride is going to be loved on for all eternity. I tell you what, the Scripture says in the book of Ephesians also, Ephesians chapter, it's, uh, uh, at the end of the book of Ephesians, it says that, that for a husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church. But you know what? That passage of Scripture wasn't there to teach men how to love their wife. Because it goes on and says, I speak to you as Christ concerning the church. This is the way Christ loved the church. As, oh, as men love their wives. To give themselves for them and to present his wife to himself spotless and blemish. And so what he's saying is that's the way Jesus did with us, the church, that he presented to himself by the washing of the water of the word a bride that is spotless and blemish-free so he can love on her. Notice it doesn't say for a man to love his, uh, his, uh, for, for a man to love his wife as Christ loved the church and Christ loved the church as a wife. You know, Christ didn't come back for a wife. He's come back for a bride. Well, what's the difference? If you don't know the difference, Mandy, do you know the difference between being a wife and a bride? Right now, you're in that bride mode, girl. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be a day. I'm prophetically speaking. There's going to be a day. You're going to find out the difference between a wife and a bride. Sorry to say it, but it's going to happen. That's my marital counseling right there. There you go. There's going to be a day. Why? See, see. When you're a bride, everything's done for you. It's all for you. It's yours. It's just all you do is say, I do. And the day's yours. The day's before, the day's after, you're a bride. And then you get to be a wife. <laughs> Matter of fact, the scripture says, a man that findeth a wife, findeth a... I'm meddling now. You know I'm off my notes. You know why? I ain't got none. Anyway, man, a man that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Don't amen that. Because you ain't no thing. Oh. You're not a thing. Women, you're not a thing. You're a bride. Husbands, don't treat your wife as a thing. She's not one of the tools in the chest. that you can work and manipulate. Uh-oh. We're meddling now. That's all right. She's a bride. Jesus is not coming back for a wife, for a thing. He's coming back for someone he can love on for his good pleasure for all eternity. See, if you understand the beginning, if you understand the end... Now you can make sense of the conversation and what the Bible's talking about. Because if you don't understand this, I tell you what, if, how many people still, I mean, there's, there's churches that still believe that the battle's between, between God and the devil. What happened to Calvary? 
What happened to the finished work? What happened to Jesus that came to destroy the work of the... Well, if he's destroyed, why is the battle still going on? Unless Jesus didn't do his job. I think he did his job. But see, when you get in the middle of a conversation, either on the phone or step into a conversation, you hadn't heard the beginning and you don't know the end, you get messed up information. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? This will really help you study the Word and hopefully cast, get rid of some old thinking that we have about Christianity. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He prayed for people that, that, we, that we that would believe the words of the apostles, that we would have the same oneness that he had with his Father and that we could have with the Father because we're all part of the family. Jesus is the first of many brethren offspring. Man, this is good. I know this is simple, but this is simply good. This is simple theology, but it doesn't get taught in the church because we're, we're, we're jumping in the middle. And I mean, I, can, I, I hear some good teachers, and, and I don't know if you, I, I'm not, trust me, I, I, I can use notes and I can teach with the best of them. I really can. But what good is it if we don't understand the foundations and the purpose? If you understand the foundations and the purpose and teach accordingly, then it makes sense. You don't know how many people I've been speaking to lately. In the last two months, I've spoken to more people than I had in the last two years. And they're like, oh. and if all we're doing is telling them about the foundations and the purpose. And they're going, oh, that makes sense. That's all. It makes sense if you are part of the foundation and you understand the purpose, then the teachings begin to fall in line. I tell you, when you, I read that prayer of Jesus, forget the prayer of Jabez. Forget it. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend somebody. You may really like it. That's fine. You pray the prayer of Jabez. I'm going to pray the prayer of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to pray the prayer that Jesus prayed. Oh, that people would experience the oneness that I have with you. Mm. That the love that I've experienced, may they experience that love through me. So they can be at one with you. Listen, I don't want to be the best teacher that there ever was. I mean, it would float my boat. You know what I'm saying? I would get a big ego on that. But what good is the teaching if it doesn't line up with the eternal purpose and the eternal foundation? It's got to, church. Let's see what it says here in the book of Romans. Verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our father was found according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Right there is pretty powerful. 
He believed God. What did he believe God? God said he'd be the father of many nations. That's what he believed. There was no promise of being righteous, was there? There's no promise. The promise wasn't to be righteous. The promise was he'd be the father of many nations. And because he believed that, because he believed the word of God, that belief in the word of God, he was made righteous. Now to him who works the wages is not counted as grace, but as a debt. That, that's self-explanatory. If, if you work for sin, you're going to get what sin gives you. If you work for grace, you're going to get what grace gives you. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, what's he do? Justifies the ungodly, and I believe in him. His faith is accounted as righteousness, just as David described the blessed, blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Say the word impute. That the law tells us, matter of fact, it tells us right down here, I don't even really have to turn the page in my Bible, but in, uh, in chapter 5, in verse 13, it says this, uh, verse 12 it says, Therefore, just as the, through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when, everybody say when, there is no, not where, you don't know how many times I saw the word where there. But it says when there's no law, sin's not imputed. So sin was in the world from when? And, and from the beginning. Because what one man did, sin was in the world here. But sin wasn't imputed. Does everybody know what I'm imputed? How can you be, are you guilty of touching the paint if there's no sign that says don't touch the paint? Did you touch the paint? Yeah. But you're not guilty because there's no law saying don't touch the paint. If there was a law saying don't touch the paint and you touch the paint, are you guilty? Yeah. So sin, touching the paint, was from in the beginning. But it wasn't imputed to anybody. Matter of fact, you need to get, we need to sometime get some of our stinking things. Listen, how, a lot of us think that God cursed Adam and Eve back in the garden. It doesn't say God cursed Adam and Eve. It says God cursed the ground for their sake. God made a change the condition of the ground so man now could live in it because he couldn't live in it the way it was after he sinned. When Cain killed Abel, did God strike Cain down and, and give him judgment for, for killing somebody? Got a question. Was there a law saying thou shalt not kill? Was there a law that said God thou shalt not kill? No. So he didn't break any laws. So he wasn't guilty. But he sinned. And so what did God do? Did God strike him down with cursed him and, and 
No, God blessed him. What's his pastor say? He put a mark on his forehead so people would see not to touch him. So he'd have long life. And people wouldn't curse him. Is that not what really happened? Yes. Because he wasn't guilty because there's no law. Well, I thought if you killed somebody, you're guilty. You can't be guilty without a law. Has everybody got that? So, sin was in the world from the beginning, but it wasn't imputed until the law came. So the law came to what? Make us righteous? No, it came to impute this sin. The first law that was given. This, we're not just talking about the Ten Commandments. The first law that was given was don't eat of the tree. So the only thing that they could be guilty of was what? Eat of the tree. I wish he just would have slapped somebody. There was nothing wrong with that. There's no slaws that says don't slap nobody. Put that fruit down. <laughs> Quit it. No, there was no law. Excuse me, there was a law for that. But not slapping. Can't, there was a law for that, but not slapping somebody. Put it down. And so the law came to make all people guilty, to impute sin. And so Jesus came. Jesus came and he, what did he do? The scripture says he fulfilled. He didn't, he didn't just destroy the law. He fulfilled the law. What's it mean fulfilled? In other words, with this law came a condition of blood sacrifice. So the children of Israel had a blood sacrifice all their history. And Jesus is the final sacrifice that fulfilled the law, completed it, put it up, sealed it up, put a cherry on the top, tied it up in a nice little bow and said, done. When Jesus hung on the cross here, He said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am. I love that. I, that just rings, that's, you should see the looks on people's face when I share that in other places I go and teach. I, he says, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. So what was it? In Colossians 2, it says, the law of the requirements that was against us was nailed to the cross. The very law that was in force all this period of time had come to an end. The work of Jesus wasn't done because he still had more to do. He still had to release the captives. He still had to take the blood to the Father in heaven to prove that the price was finished, the work was done, that the price for sin had been shed. And then he sat down and you realize he's still not done? Do you, okay, let's talk about that. He's still not done. See, everybody thinks he's done. That's, Jesus was done at Calvary. That's it. No! He had to be resurrected from the grave. What if he would have died and never been resurrected? Get the picture here? This wasn't it. This wasn't it. He had to die, pay the price for sin, but he had to be resurrected from the grave to bring us life. We don't get life from Calvary. We get life from the resurrection. But he still wasn't done. He had to take the blood to the altar and give it to the Father God of proof of sacrifice, proof of death, proof of payment. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 that it was double payment, just not single payment. It just wasn't tit for tat. It was double 
for this. He paid double what was required. Yes, Lord, you're going to love it. Think about it. I know you didn't think about it. He paid double. I'll talk to you later about it. He paid double. He just didn't go eye for an eye and tooth for tooth or whatever, sin for sin. He paid double for their iniquity. But he's still not done. And then people say, well, he was done when he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Boom, I'm done. No, he's not. He's not done. See, well, I thought the work was finished. Now, the work wasn't finished. The law was finished. It is finished. You know what he's doing now? The scripture says he's making intercession for you. He's up there seated at the right hand of the, his father. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Thank you for blessing them. You know what he's praying? This is what he's praying. That they will know you as I knew you. Man. That they would know the oneness in who they really are through me because you love me. I've loved them. That they would know what made for their peace. That they would walk in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. Out of an atmosphere of love. Doesn't the scripture say you can have all the gifts? You can have, but if you do all this and all this, but don't have love, what? It's a what? Clanging symbol. If the stuff the church isn't doing isn't based out of love. And I'm not talking about human love. I'm not talking about the Hollywood love or the episodes of My Three Sons or how far back you want to go. Leave it to Beaver, Ozzie and Harriet. I was going to say everybody loved Raymond, but that's not a good show at all. I don't even watch that one. Oh. Gosh, the things that don't do... It's not talking about human love. It's talking about God's love. God's love, agape. The love that was in the foundation, the love was for the, the very purpose. It's love all the way through. Jesus is making intercession for us. The same intercession that he made right here in the book of John that we would know what he really did. Because what he really did wasn't all these... Listen, I don't care if Jesus did or didn't raise a dove from the dead at eight years old. What? See what I'm saying? There's some people going back trying to research. They heard that Jesus raised a dove from the dead at eight years old, and they're going back in history trying to find proof. So what? You're missing the whole point. The point is that Jesus was one with God... And what he did, he did, so we would be at one with God. And he looked at God as his Father. And so we are supposed to look at God our Father. Man, this is just a simple message. Listen, don't let the wicked... Most Christians don't know the foundation. And so they have all kinds of teachings. If you know the foundation, your teachings are going to be true. And the wicked is going to try to destroy in the area of your heart pull back and take aim at your heart and try to destroy the foundations because that's where they can be that's where your foundations are at are in your heart 
The foundations aren't in your head. The foundations are in your heart. Your heart is the essence of life for you. It's not the essence of the body of Christ here on this earth. It's not the essence of the kingdom. Your heart is the essence of your life. And if your foundations are strong in love and the kingdom of heaven on this earth, you're going to live and experience it and breathe it and be a testimony of it. If it's not, if your heart has been broken, if your heart has full of law, it's going to choke out the very word of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you won't live in the freedom and the love and the relationship that's there for you to live in. You may have had it, but you've lost it because something's happened in your heart. That's why the scripture says, guard your it doesn't say the Holy Spirit's going to guard your heart. It doesn't say the pastor's job is to guard your heart. It doesn't say for your husband to guard your heart. It doesn't say for your wife to guard your heart. It says for you to guard your heart. For out of your heart flows the issues, the boundaries, the borders of life. The scripture says, hide my word in your heart. Hide my what? What word? The word of the foundations. Just like Abraham hid, his word, hid the word of him being a father of many nations. Didn't know how it was going to happen but he hid it in his heart and after a few trials and errors <laughs> you understand trials and errors he saw the will of God he's still paying a price for these trials and errors today so are we but he saw the promise he believed it and all this happened because of what he believed it's all because your heart not your head let's stand up I tell you what, you need to read that prayer of Jesus. It's just not the ones he prayed for himself, not the ones he prayed for his disciples, but the ones he prayed for us. That we would know the love of our Father, who from the beginning of the foundations of the world loved us and did what he did so we could experience His love here on this earth because of the love He's going to love us on for all eternity. When you start doing things because you love, you'll start meaning the things you do. Most people don't mean the things they do because they're not doing it out of love. Does everybody hear that? When you start doing things out of love, you'll mean the things you do. A lot of people don't mean to do because they really don't love. They do because they have to. And if you have to, you're not doing it because you love to. I really wished I could put guilt and manipulation on everybody to fill these. We have enough people coming to our church to fill these seats. You know that, don't you? We really do. Y'all just come in shifts. If everybody came at one time, we'd be filled up. Oh, I wished I could put... No, I don't. My ego would like it if the seats were full. But I'd rather have one person, James, that caught the love of God in their heart and lived the rest of their life with it. 
than 250 that just did what they had to do to hope to make it someday in a sweet by and by though none go with them <laughs> how about that song that says I'll be happy over there I'll be happy over there talking about the other side what do you mean you're going to wait till you get there I have a feeling if you're waiting to get there to get happy you're going to be so sad in heaven the scripture says God's going to have to wipe away your tears and I think it's going to be tears of knowing what you could have lived in here I could have had peace and joy on earth when I was racking my brain not trusting in him yeah I could have lived in the kingdom of heaven on this earth and I waited to find it here yeah that might bring a tear amen I agree it's time to go home that man has preached long enough father we give you praise we give you glory for all that you're doing in our in our lives father I thank you that your word is finding a home in our heart I thank you that the seed of sonship is being multiplied church I believe if you get what you magnify and if you magnify the sonship you'll experience it and you may be saying well I'm a woman how can I be a son listen I'm a male I'm a man how can I be a bride because there, there's between in God there's neither male nor female it doesn't matter that, get off of that neither male nor female it's about relationship and he is my beginning put it that way and he is your end he is your alpha and your omega he is your God and your father Holy Spirit, teach us. Bring us revelation of your word as we hide it in our heart. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you open the eyes of our understanding to your word. And may we never be the same again. Being transformed on the inside. Not being changed necessarily on the outside, but being transformed on the inside. And let the change happen naturally. All God's people said, Amen and Amen. God bless you.